0: Start start. A podcast <clears throat> A podcast network She's got a urinary tract infection He's got a urum and infatuation You're listening to Mormon <laughs> and the Methhead.
1: If you put a Mormon and a Meth Head together
0: This is what they sound like Aaron, would all a Our friends listen to them talking to Mike uh,
1: you should get that looked at yeah, yeah you
0: <laughs> you too uh for uh new listeners from ari shaffir's podcast <laughs> i used to be mormon she used to be uh addicted to meth and uh now we just like talk about uh, divorce and dimension jumping, and that's that's kind of it. That's that's the whole podcast. <laughs> uh, now you're caught up to speed. Are you happy, Brian? <laughs> also, I'd like to apologize for how my voice will sound in this and the subsequent eight episodes <laughs> that we're recording. This is going to get worse and worse, <laughs> Jessa. I'm reading about. This Japanese serial killer. Do you know about him?
1: There are Japanese serial killers?
0: There's at least one.
1: Is that racist?
0: It may, a little. I don't know.
1: I thought it was a white dude thing. Yeah, it's just, just,
0: it does seem like we've got yeah. probably the market cornered on yeah. it. I, actually, all I've just got to his Wikipedia page. Already, he seems better than any serial killer we've ever had. All right. Well, all you checks. people are so obsessed with Ted Bundy and shit. This guy. Uh, that otaku murderer or the little girl girl murderer so listen you got to see this picture of his hands okay check this out oh no wait that's from pan's labyrinth okay imagine the pan's (laughs) labyrinth hands okay those are his those are his hands now that's a fucking serial killer's hands right there.
1: Why did he do that to his No, fingers? he
0: was born like this. His uh his he doesn't have wrists. His hands are fused to like his forearm. Like his wrist doesn't turn like ours do. So he has to like turn his whole arm. Is that to what make made his, his fingers long? Uh I think they're they're just he's definitely trimming the nails to look even creepier. But they are uh they're really long fingers. So they uh this is a less left him with his premature birth, left him with deformed hands, which were permanently gnarled.
1: I didn't realize that the wrists were the last thing to develop on your body.
0: I, I mean, they were, they were for I thought him. it was the lungs. I don't know. He probably doesn't have great lung capacity yeah. either. We could ask him, but listen to this dude. He was a serial killer, a cannibal child rapist, necrophile. He was, uh, uh, Convicted of vampirism Jesus. and preservation of body parts as trophies. Uh, the, his first taste of cannibalism was when his grandfather died and he was seeking a way to retain a part of him. So he ate his ashes. Ha Like as a teenager. Yeah.
1: That seems dry. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, he didn't eat it
0: dry. You mix it into your oatmeal. You oh, make a little okay. paste out of it. Yeah,
1: like chia yeah. seeds
0: like chia seeds (laughs) yeah do you eat chia seeds yeah i thought you just put them on i thought chia seeds were in our chia that makes sense they're just a real seed i thought chia was the name of the company that made the pets
1: no chia seeds holy shit it's weird uh i guess you weren't a mommy in um 2011 when it was super hip to put chia in everything so i put chia seeds in everything for a while i was making my own kombucha and if you put chia seeds in it and then you open the kombucha after it's fermented they would explode i never did figure out how they make the chia seeds one so i i had like i had made grape kombucha with chia seeds in it and i opened it in my car and it's exploded great like purple grape chia seeds all over the ceiling oh my, of my god car.
0: I mean, once I made, like, a Bart Simpson chia, chia pet, <laughs> uh, but that's that's my ex- limit with...
1: They're healthy or something? I don't know.
0: Oh, uh, that makes sense. I don't know why I thought that... They, like, I never thought of it as, like, a real, like, organic thing. I thought it was just uh, some, somebody had manufactured a seed that was able to grow on top of uh, a bust of Bob Ross.
1: Yeah, that's what it was for like 20 years. And then probably the chia seed companies wanted to figure out how to make more money. So they sold it into the, the hippie health craze, probably. So
0: you put, do, but other people put the chia seeds into their kombucha?
1: Yeah. Also, if you want to make like a pudding, you take, uh, I do this still sometimes, almond milk and like some maple syrup and some cinnamon. And then I just, you uh, put it on the counter and then dump a bunch of chia seeds into it. And then like every hour go and stir it up. And the chia seeds soak up all of the liquid until it turns into like a pudding. But it's got a really cool texture because it's got a bunch of crunchy, like barely crunchy, tiny seeds in it. It's like a tapioca though, the rest of it. Damn. Yeah.
0: Damn. And you're just like a little martha stewart over there this whole time i've never even had kombucha is it alcoholic
1: no it's fermented tea but you uh it's like got a lot of probiotic properties it's really weird that you know this version of me because like a year and a half before this i was constantly like baking and um trying to turn recipes into recipes that were as good as the original but with healthy ingredients and no gluten because we can't have gluten and stuff and then god God, yeah yeah
0: yeah you sound boring as hell (laughs) Dude, and then just Facebook reality transurfing, Jessa. is was <laughs> a cooler kick, probably. Yeah, I
1: was hardcore housewifed out.
0: So if we had if we had spoken in 2013, you just would have been sharing with me your your best sugar free recipes for. Uh,
1: yeah, I mean, I was still Jessa uh, about it, but um, yeah, for years I just like my day was. Get up, get the kids ready, give them a bath, take them to the gym, then take them to the park, and then come home and cook, a, you know, whatever. I was very... Kids are
0: just, you got your kids on a workout regimen right now. <laughs> You're like, get, get up, we take a bath, then we go to the gym, which seems... Uh, that was backwards. that
1: fantastic gym in Delaware that all your kids' classes took place at the gym so that you could work out while they were in dance and tumbling and skating and ballet and yoga and and uh so they were in all these classes swim classes and then i would work out and it only cost 250 dollars a month
0: <laughs> dang dude yeah are you ready to give up the life of comedy and go back to being a delaware housewife suburban
1: delaware probably
0: yeah you miss it
1: no i did it already so it's hard for me to miss things that i did already because it's like well it was great. you miss
0: things you've never done.
1: No, but like it was great for what it was. But if I stayed, I like, and did it forever. I don't want to, you know. I like being nostalgic about area like different eras in my life. I love them all, but I don't ever say like that was the best one. I peaked in that one. I'm like I loved that for this reason, but I wouldn't want to still be there. I wouldn't still be want to run around the same track. I loved it. It was great. I experienced it. I experienced every facet of it, and I don't. I think that's kind of what happened when the when the marriage fell apart suddenly. Um, that's not true. It took it was a, we had like a rough six months, and but for me, it's easier the for la- me to accept the things. Six the last six months of we were married, married for ten years. We split up shortly after our tenth anniversary, and it was just a great, perfect marriage. And uh, I talked about how I, it felt like one of my greatest accomplishments. It was the longest I had ever done the same thing. And I was aware of the fact that it might not last forever because nothing does. And I consider myself to be someone who's built for like three to six year long relationships. And that I changed so much that the, the odds of a man who can go through all those changes with me and grow old with me or slim, probably. But then we had like gone through all these changes together. But uh, I don't talk about it that much on the podcast. But um, what happened was he got into a car accident, and his personality just changed. And it just changed into something that wasn't compatible with me anymore. It was so fast.
0: It was like an instant change. I it was the you, next you day. Tell, oh, I remember you telling me a story about picking him up after the car accident. Yeah. And you feeling like uh, like he, it just wasn't uh, the same. I just, sorry, I don't to put words in your mouth. I'm no. just remembering.
1: When I picked him up, so the, the, the magic um, of the, and like I don't talk about this a lot. So like listeners, please don't comment publicly on my Facebook or, or whatever about this, I guess. Um the magic of he and I was the the perfect lineup of attachment systems, I now know, where he was aloof. And so, because I could never be with someone who is anxious, I don't think. I don't think, I, I feel like I would feel closed in on very easy. It's hard for me if... There are expectations of me and definitely I can't be in a relationship where you think you can tell me what to do. I am very respectful and considerate of my partner typically, but you don't want that partner telling you you'll make it men just- are the boss of women stuff is just fucking no like, mm-hmm. uh, and I just don't, I don't like authority and I need to feel autonomous. I need a lot of time to myself and I can't feel super pursued. So I think we are similar in that. We've discussed that before. It's hard to say because I, I usually just fall in love with avoidance, but not every avoidant, but everyone I've ever loved is avoidant. But then that setup is awful for me because then I'm anxious and I being anxious feels like its own prison. It feels like you're controlling me because I am acting uncharacteristically insecure. So it's it's he was just as perfect. Loved me, wanted to be with me. He was a person who, if he said he was going to do something, he did it. If he committed to something, he was committed to it. I didn't have to worry about him changing his mind. He was very confident and secure. And so it just was so easy. There was no worries about him wanting to go trade up to a better model, like none of that. So I was able to just within a a year or two, just my attachment systems shut down. And I was just happy and secure in a relationship with someone who gave me plenty of space Neither of us were ever asking for space. We were just both aloof people, and there wasn't a lot of emotional anything in this relationship. I do like to kind of worship the person I'm with because it's not, it's gonna sound like a bitch, but it's just not something I get to do very much. There aren't a ton of people in the world that I'm like, oh my God, you're so fucking interesting. I've never met. And like I, I just don't feel that way very often. I don't feel in awe of people. And so I could be in awe of him. There was I never met anyone who just like didn't take no for an answer. He had so many cards stacked against him when we got clean and and went into the real world. And I remember him telling me and like I was poor growing up and I remember him telling me we are gonna do this We're going to catch up to everyone else our age within the first couple years. Then we're going to pass everybody that went to college before we were 40 years old. We're going to make six figures. And I just remember being like, six figures? What are we going to win the lottery? Like, I just remember thinking like, this guy's crazy. And then he fucking did it. He did all of it five times faster than he set out to do it. I'm sure I've told the story on the podcast before where he went after a job and they rejected him and he just kept going and kept going and kept going until he thought they were calling the police on him. And then they were like, "Uh, I guess we have to hire you because otherwise you won't fucking stop. And I used to tell everyone that. I like loved telling everyone that story. And then I could just like, fawn over him and like in that way and then he would just be like bitch shut up you know not not about that but just like I don't he he had he was he was the right kind of rough around the edges he didn't have any expectations of me he let me be my own person a lot of people think they love me and then they get me and then they try to make me normal and it's like you think you want me because it seems cool and entertaining, and then you get me, and then it's like anyway. So it's this is a perfect combination of exactly what I needed, especially for that part of my life. After coming out of that like rough lifestyle, I felt like I needed someone who had been in that lifestyle. I didn't feel like I could go for my usual type of guy, which is a hundred times more innocent than I am. I felt. After seeing the things that I had seen and doing the things that I had done, like I, you know, I just, he was perfect. He was fucking perfect. And the relationship was so easy and it wasn't super romantic, but I didn't want super romantic. It was, it was just perfect. And then we had kids and didn't fucking throw us off our game We had, like, all these things that, like, fuck other people up didn't fuck us up. We bought a house. We bought our first house. The entire house was a nightmare. It was just leaking water from every single thing. We were poor together, and we came out of poverty together. Everything that came our way, we were just a team. Every time one of us was in the rafters, the other one would pull them out. Like, we never let that be like, well, it's my turn to be in the rafters. We just were like this fucking fantastic team. Sometimes he worked and supported the family. There was a point where I was like, I need my own identity. I worked three jobs. He stayed home with the kids and it was just this sounds perfect for, marriage. So, sounds nice. And then I got the offer for this is not happening. And then I kind of started to change, which I had changed a hundred times in that marriage and vice versa. He also evolved very fast, which I love. And I can't deal with someone who's the same person, you know? hmm and I got the offer for This Is Not Happening. I kind of started to change a little bit because I was just like, all right, how do I make one TV credit turn into a whole career? And so I was at the gym two hours a day. I was I was getting eyelash extension. Like I was doing things that were out of character for me because I'm typically like wear the same outfit every day. My hair's cool, but other than that, I don't wear makeup. I don't care about fashion, like stuff like this. And I was, I was tuning into this stuff. I was paying attention to the outfit I was going to wear. I was thinking about things that I don't usually think about. And uh, he got in a car accident. I was, I was hosting for Michael Che at Punchline Philly. And I got a call while I was getting like about to walk out and close the show. I got a call that he had gotten in a car accident, but it was him and he was fine. And I just run, I leave, I leave Michael Che to figure out what the fuck to do. Like I don't even tell him cause he's on stage and I just jump in my car and I take off and I get there and his car's totaled and he's inside of a Denny's and it's raining outside bad, like hard. And I just text him like I'm outside and he was like, okay, I'm inside. And I was like, yeah, cool. It's raining dude. Come outside. And that was the first shift because we weren't great if the other one, I was pretty great. But like, if I was sick, this dude wasn't helping me. You know, he might hand me a bottle of water. He ain't making me soup. He ain't, you know, the whole time I was sick with morning sickness, he was never coddling me. We didn't coddle each other. We weren't, neither one of us were very great at that kind of thing. So for me to just ask you to walk outside because it's raining was just normal us behavior. And he, his feelings were hurt, which is not normal him behavior at all what, and like maybe, he wanted me to come inside maybe
0: he just wanted to eat <laughs> no he's <laughs> just
1: stuck in the denny's because he's the cops waiting for the cops to come uh deal with him or whatever okay so he got he got in a car accident outside of a denny's so he's just sitting in the lobby so he can't denny's.
0: you can't he's not you're not picking him up and taking him home you i'm guys taking him to, to the hospital oh okay
1: and um
0: so why does he want you to come inside
1: I don't know, and so I like I finally came inside, but then rather than being like, even if he did want that, like our our setup would have been him being like, "Okay, bitch, come inside," you know, and he didn't. His feelings got hurt, and then he just was kind of like brooding about that or whatever, which is just not just wasn't the the setup of our dynamic at all. So I didn't catch it. So I finally get inside, and I am oblivious and uh, a little inconsiderate to most people in my life and it's it's not intentional but he is has been the recipient of that for a long time and knows that you just have to tell me because I'm usually just my head is in the fucking clouds and I don't realize that I'm not being what you need you just have to fucking say it and so I come in and then it's a real weird night because the cops are about to come in and talk to us and somebody wrecks into another car right in front of the cops in the parking lot and tries to take off huh. so the cops <laughs> have to chase that person and his foot's broken and his hands broken, but he didn't go unconscious. Nothing else. And then I have to take him to the hospital. And then at the hospital, I was like, I'm gonna, I need to eat. I didn't have any Cliff Bars, and I get like, I get faint if I don't eat every couple hours. My blood sugar or my blood pressure or something, it gets bad. And so I usually have Cliff Bars, but I didn't have any Cliff Bars, and I ran out of this club before eating. And so I said, I'm gonna drop you off at the hospital, and then. Go grab something to eat. And he was like, okay. And he needed me, I guess, but like, I, I. I've been with you for 12 years. We don't...
0: He had never needed you before?
1: No, this is a person who, like, he's been through some shit, you know? It just was a very two-tough-people-being-tough-together relationship, and there just wasn't a ton of... And, like, we loved that about each other. Like, when I gave birth to his 10-pound kids without even fucking screaming in a tub in his bathroom he was just like couldn't brag about that enough like my wife didn't even fucking cry she gave birth without drugs like we loved that about each other and so I like I had no you want me to hold your hand like I just didn't know if I knew I would have done it but that's a a huge swing from who we were from who he was and so uh, I went and got food I came back they tried to give him Percocet he wouldn't take it because we didn't Uh, We wouldn't fuck with opiates. Yeah, you guys
0: don't like opiates.
1: And then we left. And then after that, he was in extreme pain. Extreme pain. Hand was fractured. And his hand was already fucked up. And then foot was fractured. And then I could tell he was thrown off. And one thing about Jason, his personality, he had OCD that he managed very well. And if he got thrown off his square, he needed, like, a lot of space. He needed the house to be clean. He needed the things to be very predictable. And he needed, you know, he needed his shoes always had to be stacked a certain way. His schedule had to be a certain thing. He was someone who who needed to do the same thing. He okay. adapted very well to my constant need for change. But his stuff always had to be the same, whatever. And whenever there was like an OCD kind of flare up, I was very good at maintaining, like tuning in and maintaining all of that for him. So I was on high alert that he needed that. And I could tell that he needed that because he was unhappy. He was grouchy as fuck. He was stuck home from work. His car was fucked up. Like it, nothing, nothing was working. And then the dynamic just switched. I don't want to tell too much of his business, but it just didn't work he, he needed a different version of me, and I didn't have it to give him. He needed more than I could give, it felt like, but I couldn't figure out why all of a sudden he needed it. And to me, it just felt like I am a month away from filming This Is Not Happening. I'm trying to focus on filming This Is Not Happening. Like, this is the thing I've been chasing for years, and I can't do this with you right now. And then... It just, got, it just got so weird, and I thought maybe he was doing drugs again, and then I... That bad, huh? Yeah. Just a, a drastic switch in personality that I couldn't explain. Well, you guys
0: had been clean for years and years and years. He
1: did end up having to take uh, Percocet or whatever because the pain you, was extreme. And
0: were you worried that that might have led him back down into
1: yeah a couple months later i was afraid that he was just still doing percocets and so i googled sudden change in personality after car accident and found uh traumatic brain injury which is what happens to all these football players that end up killing their wives or whatever cte yeah um and so I I said that to him and he was like, cause he's already getting brain scans and stuff. Like he was having to go because there was a lawsuit because of the car accident. So he had seen a bunch of, he'd seen a neurologist or whatever the fuck they're called. And he said, they did tell me I had a concussion, but I was like, I didn't go unconscious. So it must not be serious. And so he went back to the, I think it's called a neurologist. He went back to that doctor and that doctor said that your personality is is the result of the neural pathways that your brain takes. So if your whole life, your brain has been taking these neural pathways, just this point A to point B, that's your personality. And if you physically damage the part of the brain that that path is carved out, your brain will have to take detours. And when it has to take detours, it changes your personality. You will have a different personality. Wow. So this unemotional person... Suddenly became a very emotional person, and at this point in my life, like this is a a skill I've learned with you, but I was not good at that. I didn't. I I was not an emotional person myself. I don't know how to provide that to somebody else. I don't know how to be this person that you need in the middle of the most important thing. I've not in most important thing, but the you know I'm so focused on this other thing, and. Does Um, he think his
0: personality changed? He he...
1: knew then that his personality changed. There's other things. Like, he was, like, insanely brilliant. Insanely brilliant. Like, he would take... He would have to take um, IQ. IQ tests for jobs. And they would always be like, why are you not, like, an engineer at NASA? Like, what are you doing in the car business? And it was way different after the head injury i think it's gotten a lot better since but there were a lot of changes a lot of his sleep got super fucked up he wasn't sleeping he didn't sleep for days and days and days he couldn't sleep he still doesn't sleep the same at a way. time or like yeah. the first few days you mean yeah when things were were at their worst he didn't sleep for days and um it was awful it was awful like there were a few months that i was just like i can't Live like this. I remember saying, like, I have a very shallow emotional well. Like, I have a, a well of emotional output that I can give to every relationship in my life. And it's being drained. And I, like, I will just run out. And I've always felt that way in relationships that, that were like high drama, you know, then I'm like, I'm just, I, I, it'll just be dry one day and I won't have anything left to give. And this, this well was never very deep. But I never had to take anything out of it. And now suddenly I felt I felt unwanted by this person. I felt very criticized. I felt um, uh, I, there was a lot. It was very complicated and there was a lot going on. There was a the decision to move to California. Everything happening at once. And I was very conflicted because I felt like if he lost his legs in that car accident there wouldn't even be a fucking thought right now about what would I do? I would just be there for the rest of his life, you know? And so why I have to stay like, I have to stay, this is awful and I don't like it. And neither of us are happy, but I can't leave because this is the result of an injury. And it, it was um, not really my decision I don't like I was just trying to kind of like power through it. There were other things that happened. There were other complications, but they were nothing compared to other things we had gotten through before. But the gist is that this happened in the middle of a ton of other upheaval and we were split within months. We, I think knew it was over. We had two great weeks around our 10th anniversary and we had a blast and we went on vacation and we did comedy show together that was a couples thing that we just crushed and we That
0: yeah, when you guys roasted each other. Yeah.
1: And then it was over. We lived together for a few more months. We tried to live together like we tried to live together and raise the kids and that really uh didn't work. But mostly we ended up in different states because he had to take a job in a different state after I moved to LA.
0: That's a ter I don't I don't this is a terrible time to interrupt, but there haven't been any good times yet. But uh we are supposed to like put a fucking break in for a commercial or whatever. I know. It's it's tough. You guys stay tuned and you'll get the rest of Jess's story when we come back. And we're back in uh you are we're in two different states, I think it's the last thing.
1: Yeah. We're in two different states we had just physically left the same apartment when you and I recorded justice getting divorced and I sent him just
0: like episode number two or something like yeah. that. You guys uh, haven't started at the beginning. Uh, you guys should, you should. It's a, it's a crazy journey, but um, especially contrast how you talked about your divorce then versus how you're talking about your divorce in recent days to me. Is like a big, big change.
1: I think I felt that way then. And there is a mechanism in my brain that if I suffer a loss or am in pain, my brain will allow that to happen for a minute. And then my brain just grabs it, puts it in a bubble and moves it to the side. And until very recently, because I don't feel like someone who's like stuffing my emotions. I let myself feel feelings, but logic just shows up quickly. And so, in the divorce, like
0: lightning speed, yeah. quickly. I, um, unlike anyone I've ever known, you, I don't. To me, you do seem like someone who stuffs their feelings. Uh, I think you, you're like I. I feel my feelings. I, I feel sadness. I let my allow myself to feel sadness for the next thirty seconds, <laughs> and then where it's time to move on. You know,
1: I just don't. What I have discovered is that in the mourning process, the final step is acceptance and I just accept things so fast that I bypass the other stages of mourning and then now I feel like those are coming to roost like like you don't get to skip those just because you accept things fast but I don't... very
0: interesting insight because you'd think they like you're like all right I can just fast forward to the ex- if like if acceptance is the end destination let's just get to acceptance i think that you do a really good job of writing out uh, a narrative that shows how everything's in your best interest Right. Uh, Right. You uh, say this is like I'm in charge of my life. And if this is happening, then it's happening for my benefit somehow. And you always look on the bright side of things. Like you always see the silver lining. You always see uh, why this is going to be good for you in the long run. And you focus on those things. And then it just seems like you get over everything really fast because of that. But are you saying now that that like you, you just push those uh, all those other stages of grief off to later
1: I've been getting into Eckhart Tolle pain body stuff
0: Pain body stuff has been cool
1: and he talks about how like energetically you have a pain body that just stores all the pain and trauma from your entire life and then it comes up and needs to feed sometimes And when it comes up to feed, and different people have different pain bodies. Some people need to feed every day. Some people lay dormant for years. I think mine lay dormant for a really long time. And this whole last year, two years almost, of just anxiety attacks and all this other uh, pain around love and everything else has been that pain body that um, I do feel symptoms of mourning right now and I find myself here's 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 where logic takes over and I don't feel like I'm stuffing. When I watch people who are like stuffing, when I think of someone who's stuffing, it's just obvious. This sounds
0: like a sex act, by the <laughs> way. When I when I know someone who's stuffing, did you, did you ever used to stuff? I stuffed a little bit. When right. I think
1: of people who can't let themselves feel their feelings, you can see them like trying to outrun the pain. And I don't feel, I feel the pain. And I'm like, this is sad. When it was happening, I remember being like, what, what is my life without this person? Like, who am I without this partnership? How am I going to go take on a new, uh, aspect of my life and a new career and everything else without my strong partner next to me to, to back me up? You know, who am I going to share it with? Who is it? Like, what is it without him? What is any of it without him? I thought all that stuff, but when it became obvious, that we were being ripped off of the same path, I just started to look for an explanation for why we were being ripped off of the same path. And it was like, I don't, like, I guess I could wallow in self-pity is just what it feels like. I mean, I guess I can feel sorry for myself, but ultimately if this is happening, it's because I need it to happen. And then it became pretty obvious to me pretty quickly why it needed to happen, and he was great for that phase of my life. And then the phase that I wanted to go into is not something that he would be into. This, this po- podcast and this, this stuff that I want to do with it is not his cup of tea. None of the things I'm doing are something that he would enjoy. It, he's not the right partner for this phase of my life. He was a perfect partner for that phase of my life, and he is not for this phase of my life. That has to die to make room for what is right for me now. And for me to be like, but I want that back, then that means, do you want to go be a housewife in Delaware for the rest of your life? No. Okay. Everything that he and I said we were going to do, we did.
0: But it's okay to feel sad about that loss and angry about that loss and
1: i just didn't i mean i did i did while it was happening but are
0: you now feeling that way
1: I, it is starting to come up now and i don't know what has it's, that
0: been like and when did that start
1: i think it started the first time i cried about it was a full year after he moved away probably a year and a half after we started to split up
0: was the first time you cried about it,
1: it was the first time i cried about it, it was in front of you and i was just trying to describe what my perfect relationship would be And then just realized I was describing this relationship with him. Just like, you know, just fucking best friends that you make goals with and accomplish those goals and laugh and have fun and uh, find each other smart and interesting. And then I, I remember in that moment being like, I think I just miss him. And that was the first time that I really thought that. I guess I just like, I don't spend a lot of time remembering the good times or whatever. Cause it just feels like how you get stuck. It's like, I know they were good times. I know it was fucking great. And I soaked up every minute of it. I can look back with no regrets. I didn't waste any time in that marriage complaining about things. I was happy. I lived it to the fullest and now it's gone. And I just don't, I don't get the point in, in wallowing in it. And then now it is like, there are things I have to mourn. I guess there are, I didn't like, it's time to honor it. And so I've been so nostalgic. I feel like I I bring him up every five minutes, and um you all brought these him memories... up a lot on this trip. Yeah,
0: and a lot of driving up and down Washington.
1: All these memories, and now I can do it from the safety of I'm not going to get stuck. I made the mistake of like telling him, which I don't recommend. I don't think you should call your ex, and tell them how great they were and how what a perfect relationship that is. Is because why not. I think if your ex still loves you and wants to be with you, it's just kind of for your own benefit and not fair to them.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: And I felt like, oh, he should know this. And it's like, yeah, he knew that. And uh, it's just probably because I don't want to go back. I can't go back. You can't go back. We are two different people already. And this version of him and this version of me are not even remotely compatible. And do
0: you still feel some sort of connection though when you guys talk, when you see each other?
1: He feels like one of my good friends, but I don't have any like It's also weird our dynamic didn't have a lot of like like physical romance to it. And so, um he's someone I'll care for, I'll love for the rest of my life, but he there have it has felt like he it was a movie I watched. I've had a lot of like weird reality trippy reality feelings about it but I think that's just the quarantine of my brain where I just cordoned all of that stuff off so that I could move on like there was a lot I had to hit the ground running
0: do you have more of an appreciation now for those other steps of grief like do you I don't know have you made any realizations now that uh, everything's coming home to roost,
1: like a, what at the beginning of our podcast when you were talking about your marriage, and yeah,
0: yeah, do you uh,
1: I think I'm still pretty I always did admire your ability to feel your feelings and process through those phases of grief and be honest and vulnerable in those phases of grief. The things I didn't agree with were like flogging yourself for making mistakes
0: oh man no i just that's one of my favorite pastimes flogging yourself for past mistakes it's really it's a really great way to spend uh, a day you
1: know? yeah or did
0: you ever have a day to yourself and just you know like you know what like self-care uh i'm just gonna flog myself today it's pretty good
1: <laughs> flogging off yeah <laughs> um I'm going to learn how to mourn this. I feel, I feel grief. I felt like someone was going to die in the, in the last few months. I just feel a loss coming and uh, I've taken several hits in my life recently and they still don't feel like the loss that I have coming. And I just recently within the last couple of days was like, oh, it's that loss. It's time for me to deal with that loss.
0: Oh, it's a... Pa- this thing that you thought was coming was really a past loss. I think so. Uh, that's just finally going to get its day in the sun.
1: It's going to get its day in the sun. We have a couple of months. I was
0: worried I was going <laughs> to die and home or something.
1: <laughs> oh, fucking please no. Um, oh. We were at a, at a hotel and I went downstairs to get coffee. And there was a woman, like the woman working the front desk. Her husband came in and like had the baby and they were just discussing something like taking the car to Les Schwab or something fucking dumb, and I caught myself just like sad, like mourning, like uh, je- not jealous, but like you know, envy Like
0: that you miss that. I miss little that. stuff.
1: I miss just having a a partner, just like a like a teammate. Like we're each other's team. Everything is ours together, and we just I, I would go to his like work every day that was like part of my like daily thing and i just loved i loved having like a partner like being a, a unit and that kind of stuff i loved that kind of stuff i just it was like a working together kind of thing and um i don't know if i see people like making out on a park bench that doesn't make me be like oh i miss whatever it's stuff like that it's like you just have a person and that's your person and uh, they have your back no matter what, and when something goes wrong, that's that person is going to help you. When you can't figure out how to get through something, that person's going to help you. When you can't see your way out of a problem, when they are down, when they take a hit, you're going to be the one that picks them back up off the ground. And when you don't like to talk to the guy at the oil change place, he'll handle all the oil changes. <laughs> and just this like partner And I hadn't, I just hadn't thought like I so many memories are coming forward and it's like, it's just time to be sad about this for a minute. I think it's time to, to remember it and to acknowledge. It also like really challenges my identity because my identity is I don't need anyone. I don't need anybody else. I'm fine by myself. I always end up in a relationship, but like, I don't need to be in a relationship. And like, I sat down and I, I had to acknowledge, like, I want that. I miss that. And, uh, I do want that in my life. And like, then I like, then all this other stuff where like, I don't need that. I want to be by myself. And it's like, did you want to be by yourself? Or did you lose your husband and had to be by yourself? And it's just easier to just want it. And, um, I thought I was going to get through without crying. I was like, oh, I think I cried so much this week. I'm not going to cry during this. Um,
0: Dude, I was like, how is she going to get through this without crying? That bitch better cry. Uh, when was the last time that you were by yourself?
1: Um, I was by myself for a lot of meth years. I was. Uh, I got married at 16. I left him when I was 20. I was very happy by myself. And then he came back. And, and then I did like nine more months with him and it was bad you know because i was done when i left the first time and then i was by myself for whatever year till i started doing meth and then i was by myself for most of that i was with tyler for three years in the middle of that but
0: uh so you've definitely had good stretches where yeah like i've had good good
1: stretches and then i got clean and was by myself and i think Jason originally tried to court me about six months in, and I was lightly dating, but nothing. And I liked it. I was happy. I do like being by myself. I am not someone. I'm not someone who would get into a relationship that I'm like not in love, just to have a boyfriend. Because that, I don't like the way that feels. I have to be in love with you. Otherwise, I can't fucking handle being around you.
0: <laughs> but you don't think you were ready to be alone this time.
1: I think I'm I'm ready is fine, but to say that I like was super excited to lose my husband would be not true. Yeah. I just pivot fast and it's like, well, I can't have it, so I'm not going to wallow in not having it. It just doesn't these two things are contradictory for me because it's like I'm down to feel feelings, but I'm not going to I'm not going to pretend that I made a huge mistake that I, you know, it had to happen it was time. And I, it's pretty obvious to me already why it was time. So it feels dumb to cry over something I can't have. It just feels like I could sit here and cry about what I lost that I, that it makes sense that I lost it. And then what if I miss the next best thing that comes into my life? Because I was, I was, I always thought of reality as like train tracks And like, if you're just looking behind you all the time, you're just gonna, you're gonna miss everything fucking great that comes into your life. And so I don't mean to not feel pain. I just logic takes over. And it did feel like a soft landing. Like that was true when we recorded Jess's getting divorced at the time. That's how I felt. I had accepted it. It was extremely painful getting to the point of acceptance. I got to the point of acceptance while still with him. And then when we split, it was like, I did have a million other things going on in my life to distract me. And I just didn't, I didn't I'm not going to go flipping through Facebook memories and be sad. Like, I can't. For what? What's that going to do? Just make so me sad. So
0: fun. So fun. Uh, what do you think? Do you think it's just like it was always a matter of time that these feelings were going to catch up to you? Or are, are there other things, is there other changes happening that are making you reflect on this more?
1: There are other changes happening that... I, can't, I feel probably can't get into on this episode. I think we'll get into on episodes soon. But there are, there's not one area of my life that is not in flux right now. Which is the exact same position that I was in when we split. And I don't know if that's the connection. But there are multiple things happening right now that I feel like I'm tr- just trying to hold down the fort. And try not to lose my shit.
0: Hmm.
1: And my instinct is that I have to process this to have things that I want in my life. That this is fine. And it would that I've I've carried around the pain and loss of things for a long time. And in the last year and a half, I've processed things that I thought I dealt with a long time ago. I accepted that I got molested a long time ago. I worked through it in therapy. I was fine. And then I worked through the stuff with my mom. I forgave my mom. In my head, forgiving people is the finish line. Yeah. And I was fine. And then these little tiny slivers of broken pieces came up. And they were like, yeah, but you have to acknowledge that it was shitty for you. You have to acknowledge that it changed who you were as a person. You have to acknowledge that it hurt and that you felt bad and whatever. And just honor this for yourself. And so I've done that for the last year and a half. And then maybe the fact that the loss of of him was the f- the thing that triggered all of this other processing it's just the finale and i just have to ex- like i just have to i feel like i'm going to go through the stages of grief i've my calendar's kind of cleared and as i approach this couple of months alone i i have just felt it it coming like oh, this is gonna be a dark night of the soul that I'm about to go into. I think ultimately I'm just gonna come out better and stronger, and I don't think it's gonna be a wallowing thing. And I do already accept it. You know, I accept the loss, but I have to feel it. I guess.
0: I think so. Uh, I think sitting in it, I maybe mean not wallowing, but I think sitting in it's important. I think acknowledging it, seeing it is important. I also uh think commercial sponsors are super important. Sorry we're still so awkward at this. I don't know. We guess we're going to get better at it, but uh <laughs> I know that it's time to take another break and we'll come back and finish this right after these messages. There's sometimes the commercial breaks have been super helpful. There're like times where we don't have like one well a lot I'd say a lot of our episodes we pick one topic and we dive into that thing. And a lot of those episodes are super emotional and we just kind of let one of us talk or we're both talk talking through it. But like there's been episodes, you know, where I'm just talking about Tabitha and I just go and cry and just like work through it, right? And, uh, to imagine, uh, stopping, going back to those old episodes and putting commercial breaks in there, I'm like, Ugh. but there's other times when it's like, we only have a, we've got a few different things we want to talk about and they're, they're none of them are long enough to be a full hour and yeah. there it's like commercial breaks are great it's like oh and then after the after, we'll do a commercial break and then we come back and then we can tell that mission story or the, and then after the next commercial break we can switch to uh, trans reality or whatever you know uh, or then we can tell a story from our show or something like that and it's like boom, boom, boom all that works but uh, this the last couple episodes that we've recorded have been so hard just I like, know. and then slam on the brakes. <laughs> and let's listen to this ad from an electric toothbrush. And now,
1: back to the crime. back to
0: molestation. Uh, I really want to get more sponsors that are like weighted blankets for anxious people uh uh, online therapy for you depressed people and genealogy for those mormons who are still listening for some reason (laughs) Uh, yeah
1: that's what we need is stuff that our fans would buy
0: but it's it's just going to be dick pills
1: so i we talked about how This is kind of full circle from the beginning of the podcast, the couple episodes that we had about what is love and my divorce episode and your divorce episode. And I think this is the other extreme of that philosophy.
0: What? Wait, what philosophy?
1: We're like, maybe I didn't stop and feel pain or I don't know if I could have stopped and felt pain in that situation, but...
0: I got to say, it's very satisfying for me. Uh, I was like, man, she's just over it. Like her marriage was longer than mine. And I'm like, I felt like such a baby. And oh, why is it so easy for Jessa? And now to, to I just, I'm just trying to say it makes me feel immense joy when I watch you break down into tears. That's I, very just, sweet. I love Thank it. You. I love it. You're welcome. You know what I'm trying to say, though. Yeah. Right? Okay.
1: I just don't know what the thoughts are to go with the sadness. So a lot of what we talked through in your marriage, uh, with your divorce, was like believing that the the divorce was a mistake, or that there's you made mistakes leading to it.
0: That it could have been prevented. That, that it could have I been was,
1: prevented if you were just.
0: And you're? Are you saying that like you don't, you don't know why you're sad? That it doesn't make sense to be sad if you already, if you don't, if you're not hung up on it.
1: Yeah, I mean, I just didn't. I I wasn't like I can't be sad about this. I just like there, there are thoughts that yeah. go with the sadness.
0: All you don't need a reason. You don't need a reason to feel sad. All feelings are valid, right? All feelings are real. Like when you're when you're feeling it, and it's okay. Like I think that it's still smart to 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 acknowledge that they're feelings, right? And be like, and feelings aren't. Uh, just because they're real and valid doesn't mean they're a fact. Right. right. That's, a, that's a a difference there. Right. So you don't have to say just because I'm sad, this means it was a mistake. But then the opposite uh, of that is like just because it wasn't a mistake doesn't mean uh, you don't have to feel sad about it. You can know that it's the right thing and that there was no other choice and that this was the path that you were on and there was no other way for you two to be the people that you're going to be together anymore and still be sad. Because of course you would be. And it's okay. You know, I, I, that was a lesson that I, I learned. It took me a long time to learn it. And it helped me a lot with my depression. Like I'm someone who thinks a lot about my feelings and, and follows them back, follows that roadmap of pain, you know, and tries to figure out exactly why. And a lot of times there's a reason. I, I'm really good at identifying things that made me upset or sad. And that can be really helpful. I learn a lot about myself because I'm like, Oh yeah, that did make me sad. Why exactly? Oh, I guess that reveals something about myself, but there's lots of days. There's a lot of days where I have no answer. And what I used to do was drive myself crazy trying to figure out why I was sad. And then like through therapy, just learning more about depression and stuff. It was like some days you're just going to feel sad and there's not a reason for it. And at first, then that got frustrating, right? Because then I would just be sad and there's no reason for it. That means I can't fix it. Right. That means I cannot uh, adjust any. Like, what do you mean there's just no reason for it? And then I learned that it was like kind of freeing. There's like, you don't have to fix it. Uh, Like you taught me like to ride it out and I started like I would spend a few minutes Trying to think about why I was feeling a certain way And if I ever got to the conclusion that there was no reason I would just take a breath and be like Just fucking sad today And it's not a big deal and I don't have to punish myself for it And I don't have to try to fix it Just going to embrace it and ride it out
1: Yeah, I just wasn't sad I just didn't feel sad.
0: I know, but I'm saying if you do now, yeah. You don't have to like there doesn't have to be a reason for it.
1: Yeah, no, no. I'm I know why I'm sad now. It just is sad. It's like I'm I feel like maybe it's my brains mechanism for protecting me. like There was too much happening right there. It was too close to it. So my brain just like, we'll deal with this later and then brings it up later. That's when actually I'm in a pretty a safer, good mechanism. Yeah. A safer environment. Uh, my main priority at that point was getting my kids through that phase without them really realizing they were going through that phase. I had just moved. My entire life was in flux. There were plenty of distractions. And now I feel like this is the perfect time after learning all of this stuff about myself and feelings and my defense mechanisms and everything else. Now I just have a minute to just sit and cry about the fact that, uh, I had something cool. I lost it. I understand why I lost it, but it still sucks, uh, to have lost it. And, um, it's a bummer and it's sad. And, uh, I think that all like makes sense. A lot of what I talked about in open hand love and everything else was that was always in my head. You know, there wasn't like, I'd loved before. This wasn't my first love. You know, this wasn't my first relationship that ended. This wasn't, by the time we ended up, it fell apart. I had gotten pretty cocky and arrogant about the fact that we were going to end up staying together forever. And I remember he was, like, smoking cigarettes. And I remember just being like, Dude, I don't want to drag around your goddamn oxygen tank when I'm 80 because you didn't fucking quit smoking when we said we were going to quit smoking. You know, so I did think we were going to be together forever. I had settled into that belief. and But there was still an open hand thing. Like, we had discussed several times that if this ever goes sour... We're not spending years in a sour marriage. If it goes bad, we're going to jump ship, you know? And we had rough, a rough phase or two that we got through really well. But I'm talking like when you just get to the point where you don't like each other anymore and you're fighting more than you're having fun. Um. Anyway, yeah. So I just meant like when it seemed like I got over it fast I did at the time I just felt like I had just accepted it there were no there were no sad feelings and then there were no thoughts to trigger sad feelings because I understood why I don't think I understood why it had to happen but I understood that it had to happen because there was nothing to stop it like everything we tried I gave my best effort I knew I gave my best effort and it just I felt like being ripped off of the same path And because we didn't beat a dead horse and we called it when it became obvious that it needed to be called, it did feel like we came in for a soft landing. We don't have just years of memories of a bad marriage. I think we had like a rough six months and it was obvious that we were two different people already and that we weren't compatible anymore. And it was a amicable separation. So I just felt like I should be grateful for all of this and it's okay. And I think it's still okay, and it's still fine, and I uh, now am ready to acknowledge, though, that that thing that I lost was valuable to me, and maybe not hide behind, um, okay, fine, I didn't want it, which is kind of a go-to for me.
0: Hmm. Can I ask, how did uh, your kids do uh, getting through it?
1: They didn't know we split up until a week, a couple weeks ago, and um, there was so like they
0: just thought uh, dad was in the bathroom this whole time, or they
1: thought he lived in Portland because he worked in Portland. We just didn't talk about it, and I do have a theory that if it's possible to avoid that trauma point with your kids, I recommend it. I mean, we'll see how it pans out, but. Just the way that things, we moved from our house into my parents' house for a month so that we could uh, then move to California, and then we all went to California, and then he went up to Portland, all within a few months. And so their life was so in flux that there was no, why isn't daddy here at the house that we've been in for years, you know? Mm -hmm. And so he took a job in Portland, and then they never saw us be any different with each other than we always were, which was just partners. During the fighting of the last six months, we never did it in front of them. Uh, I'm very weird about, like, anyone knowing I'm fighting. And so uh, they never saw it. It was like we'd go for a walk or whatever. Like, they, they had no idea there was tension between us. And then when we get around each other, we're friends. Like, we're we were never like affectionate really so it just looks the same to them he had a girlfriend living with him almost immediately and they just called her his friend for a long time and you know you were around also and not his house Yeah no not. you were around my house but you didn't live you don't even live in the same state so you would just come into town and it wasn't that different than when other people came to town and yeah. stayed at our house you know and so he came like we spent Christmas together at, like he came to my parents house in Delaware for Christmas and stuff and so this was something that was very important to us and then also it's very important to us to eventually all end up in the same neighborhood would be ideal so we talk about like when we were all together again but then we do say like in the same neighborhood we we don't say in the same house or whatever and then I was talking to Phoenix and Lilith about something and phoenix said do you and daddy just have like an open relationship she's nine an open relationship <laughs> or are you divorced and i said we split up a long time ago a year and a half ago um and then i could see her doing the thing that i do where it's like Should I be sad right now? Are people expecting me to be sad? Oh, God, am I going to cry because I think I'm going to cry? Like, I do this stuff. And so then her eyes started well up with tears, but you could tell it wasn't coming from sadness. It was coming from the pressure of the revelation, if that makes any sense. Mm. Because then I was like, are you sad? And she was like, I guess it doesn't affect. If it's been going on this long, then no, you know. And um, I thought it was funny that she knew what open relationships were. Lily didn't really register it at all. I think Lily was, I think three is a great age for your parents to split. I think anything under six is good. I think eight and nine is a rough age. I think the teen years are rough. I think uh, I've seen a lot of adults take it very hard. But I think when you get them young enough they don't remember you together within a couple years and it's fine but like we'll still be together like we're still uh co-parent we're great friends and so they took it very well they have adjusted fine they cry like i i take them up to portland all the time and and they cry when we leave there you know it's sad it's pretty normal i hate that we live in different states because that's how it was for me when i was a kid and it sucked but Mm -hmm. It also didn't because I got to have longer like uh, the summer at one parent's house and the school year at the other parent's house, which I feel like was pretty chill compared to back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. But, you know, do I think it's chill or do I just decide it's chill because it's what I got? I don't know.
0: Tabitha actually just moved into my neighborhood. Yeah, that's amazing. We uh, live like a block and a half from each other now in downtown Salt Lake. And Ethan, who had fantasized about us living on the same street, I remember several car rides where he would talk about like, I wish you lived on the same street as as, uh, my mommy. And uh, I wish grandma lived on that street. And I wish karate was on that street. And I wish school was on that street. And we're like, all right, well, I mean, we got like (laughs) two of them. All right, we're still on the same street, but she came to my street, which you know feels cooler. Yeah, but uh, I like it because old number one. I love, I love downtown Salt Lake, and I think it'd be, it'd be a cool place to grow up. And like Ethan's has right now. Until the next time one of us moves, anyway. Uh, Ethan has, like, a neighborhood that's his neighborhood. Yeah, that's He awesome. knows this area. Like, you know, like the library's right there, whether he's at his mom's house or his dad's house. Uh, you know, his favorite restaurants and his favorite parks and stuff are all right in that same spot. And I think that that is uh, cool for him.
1: I like it. That's going to be so much fun.
0: Mm-hmm. Anyway, I think... Uh, uh, did you have anything else you wanted to say?
1: No, uh, I said more than I wanted
0: to. <laughs> <laughs> you have a lot of stuff you want to edit out. <laughs> uh, you did a good job being the emotional uh, one this time. Yeah. Well well done. Thanks, thanks. Well done. Everybody send Jess a message telling her how well she did. And uh, we'll catch you guys. Is there anything we're supposed to announce or, or say anything like no. that? Okay. Uh, we'll catch you guys next week on Mormon and the method
1: If you put up. Women and a math
0: together this is what they sound like Air, rim, load, all, and just a Friends, listen to them talking to Mike. Mormon, and a, a, a,
1: a podcast <coughs> a podcast network